1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside and In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here as we're at the very end of March, second week of Miami. Sunshine Double is almost done. We're about to start the clay court season, but we got to wrap this highly anticipated, highly entertaining Masters 1000 event. And this week's guest on the show is a... Tennis lifer, I think we could say. He's been a journalist for a very long time. He covers hockey as well, which goes a long way on this show. Uh, host of the Lucky Light Court podcast on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Chris Otto, welcome to the show.
2: Mitch, how are you? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm good. I, I know that this is kind of a sweet spot for the North American tennis audience. I know you've been diving into uh, Miami, but it's it's that it's that general time of the year where we're wrapping up the, the first hard court start of the season And I always have to pinch myself when I look at it. I mean, we're already a quarter of the tennis season done, which just shows you how fast this flies by.
2: I know. It's crazy. Do you remember the Australian Open?
1: Yeah, I feel like there's been 30 storylines since then.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a slog, right? But yeah, this is a good time of the year. We got our own little version of March Madness here. I haven't even been able to watch college hoops. I've been so busy with tennis.
1: Yeah, and I look at it like, you know, many people, that there's chunks of the season. And for players, it's, you know, you want to make money, you want to make, you know, earn your living. But for the ranking points, too, this is that golden opportunity. And we're starting to see, we'll get to some of the big names, the names at the top, obviously, Taylor Fritz winning Indian Wells. But you look at the players that are setting themselves up for great years, great draws in other tournaments. Uh, Daria Seville on the women's side, whose rankings have shot up in the literally in the hundreds. And then Kekmanovich, who beats Fritz last night. These are two that just came off the top of my head of players that have set themselves up with great seasons in just a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, Miamir Kekmanovic, right? He's one of those examples of guys that you you tend to overlook. They're making progress. You don't see it in the rankings and in the results that often. And then all of a sudden, it just shows up in a two-tournament two period. Guy's been working with David and Albanian. He's been doing a lot of hard work, and he's been a talent for many years. And it's nice to see faces like that emerge.
1: Does it feel like we're, and I could be off base here, maybe it's just I haven't noticed before, but we're in the kind of a golden era of former players that are working, former big-name players that are working with pupils, because there's Nelbandian. I saw Enquist working with Tsitsipas, Ferraro with Alcaraz. It just seems like there's more and more of that, and in, at least in, in one sense, it's paying off more. Yeah, you might be right. It
2: definitely enriches the storylines, right? Guys that we mm-hmm. know and that kind of grew up watching one Carlos Ferrero working with Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, it's so exciting to have it on both levels, to have the coach and the player be recognizable names. It always keeps us even more interested than we already are.
1: It's funny, it doesn't always work out, and I think part of that is these former players know what the high standards are, and if they're not going to get listened to, they're not going to be, you know, belong for this world so to speak, but when it does, it's kind of a special moment that might be able to unlock something within the player.
2: Yeah, I think there's that um, that championship caliber that some of these guys have. Like, I don't really know a whole lot about Juan Carlos Ferrero's coaching philosophy, but I was talking to Jose Garris in the offseason, and he was saying that Juan Carlos was down with Carlos Alcaraz in South America when he was like a 14-year-old, grinding, spending like four or five hours on court with him per day that committed to a young player is pretty, you know, a guy like a guy like Juan Carlos, former world, number one, it just shows that he had a vision for Carlos and that clearly he has a vision for himself too. He wants to be a part of something. That's great. Even after his playing career, which is so cool.
1: He's worked with players before that hasn't gone well. And now that seeing that it does, you know, that he's committed and and why wouldn't he be, Uh, we'll, we'll get to the men in just a second, but Chris, looking at the women's side, uh, as we stand, we're, you know, quarterfinal round going on today. And we've already had one result. But I think the story so far in tennis, I mean, obviously Ash Barty retires. But von tech her run, I mean, she's starting her reign. She'll officially start her reign next week. But in, in our books, it started weeks ago. Because this, this run the last couple of weeks coming off two tournament wins, winning Indian Wells. And how she's doing it, Chris, more than anything. She's been very dominant in all aspects of her game. In finals, she's untouchable. It seems like she raises up even more in the final level. She doesn't lose sets, hardly even games. This seems like it is that little special moment of a changing of the guard, a new reign at top. And Iga has just been electric in all areas since she's been going on this heater.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's almost made us forgot, forget rather about Ash Barty retiring, which is crazy because it's a really you know key touch point for tennis. And it's really sad that she's out of the game at 25 and hopefully maybe... I'm hoping someday she decides to give it another crack, maybe, you know, rest and recuperate and live that life she wants to live. And maybe she'll miss it. But for now, with Iga, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. She's just ridiculous. She's For me, I keep thinking five or more Grand Slams. It's silly to put that number on a player so early, but she just reminds me of someone who's destined for greatness. The way she plays, the way she improves and seems to overcome all the hurdles that are in front of her. Last year was sort of a trial year, dealing with success and still wasn't really meeting her expectations, but she was able to be the only player that made the second week at all four majors. She struggled hard to be that type of consistent player. And then this year, of course, making the coaching change to Tomas Witkarowski, which was a bold move for her. And she has just run with it since then. I mean, changing her game style and being a more aggressive player, watching her live at Indian Wells. It's just a real force to be whole. She's playing so strong, so committed, and with such clarity.
1: And 20 years old still, and that's where it's like you can put that number on her and not feel as bad because she's got one. She's kind of gone through some ups and downs already and still you know, isn't even 21 years old, which is just remarkable. I look at it, too, uh, you know, strategically. You think about sports being full with counterpunchers and, and different matchups she can pretty much play against any type of play, which I've noticed in that if it's a heavy hitter, she'll figure out a way to work with that. If you want to use some versatility, she can go with you there. Uh, Her serves uh, really improved as well. The only thing is, and it's kind of like her idol, Rafael Nadal, she doesn't really start out great all the time, but if she finishes strong and she's got a lot of self-belief, I think we see that every time. And this is somebody that Again, super nice, great for the sport, very humble. But when she's out there, she's got that aura of I'm um, the best in the world, and I'm going to show you why.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the slow starts. I think that was another issue for her where she she's now, I think, 5-2 and two when losing the first set this year. So five wins from a set down. I think she had only done it four times in the previous two seasons. I mean, the numbers are astounding. The return game. I think during her fourteen-match winning streak, the WTA points out that she's won sixty-three point eight percent of her return games. I don't know how anybody does that over that long mm-hmm. period. Uh, so many things are going right, and you're you're right. She's kind of a chameleon out there, where she now can be the aggressor. She has great movement skills and great reading and reacting to the game, so she can she can really play all styles. And as I'll hit on Barty again. It's kind of sad because she was really looking forward to the challenge of trying to face Barty and, and be the player that can kind of solve her you know, diverse tool set. And it was going to be very interesting for all of us, I think, to see Iga take on that challenge and see how she handled it. So that's one of the things I'm disappointed about. But just the point that we're making is that Iga is one of the players that has that type of game that can deal with any type of player very well. On any surface also, yet to really see her on grass do well but I think that's going to happen for sure
1: yeah and, and I think that just one last point on ego it's that a lot of times there's one match that might you know change everything that flip the momentum and, and really push her forward and it's a lot of times it's not even the big final match I went back to that Doha match against Sakari she'd never beaten her before she finds a way past her there and then it was all downhill from there they rematched the Indian Wells she crushed her again so uh in a in a sport that is you know struggling for consistency even before Barty retired this could be the most consistent player going forward and we'll see she's got she, she hasn't got Miami yet there's obviously some some tough tests awaiting her but you know one of those tests might be Chris the resurgent the returning Naomi Osaka who's back looking great looking as good as ever into this into the quarterfinals beats Danielle Collins pretty handily last night and I think it's Fair to say, it's safe to say, it all starts with her enjoying the game, enjoying the process of playing tennis. And I know there's been a lot going on on and off the court, but when she looks like she's enjoying tennis, she looks like she's the best player in the world, or at least one of the top two or three every time. So it starts there. She's had a great run. Confidence is brimming. And she's reminding us why she's as good as she is.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're all starting to make our list of like who else could become number one besides Iga over the course of this season and other seasons. And, of course, you're looking at the players in the top five, Sakari and Paula Bedosa, who all have a shot. But, you know, I quickly go down to Naomi and see her with a smile on her face, see her overcoming a lot of the hurdles she's faced, dealing with things a little bit better right now and just showing the desire to be on the court and to play well again. And when that when that happens, you see how good she can be. I mean, she's off to a 10-2 and two start this season. She's, she's really playing well. I don't think we've seen her best yet, and I think we are... You know, things continue and continue trending up. We're going to see her battling for all these big titles. And I got to say, the one thing that excites me the most, and some people were critical when I posted this on Twitter, but she's looking forward to clay, not because she thinks she's going to dominate it, but because she's looking forward to the challenge of growing on that surface. Mm -hmm. I think that'll help her in so many ways. Yeah, It'll develop her game. And I think she definitely has the potential to start on that surface, to improve, and that will... And that, that'll be cool that, that she doesn't have to miss this large swath of the tennis season, the clay and the grass, both, of course, plaguing her in the past. And that, of course, led to her difficulties with the mental health struggles and the boycott of the press. It all kind of started there. Yeah. So if she has fun in the clay, you know that things are looking really good for Naomi. So I look forward to seeing what happens there.
1: So you're saying someone was critical on Twitter. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, just. <laughs> now, I, I agree. And I think it's all about, I mean, that's always going to be her toughest surface as well, just style of play. And, and I get that. But getting reps, as you said, regardless of how good you are, you have to play tennis to be good at tennis. And, you know, you need to get those reps in. Uh, she's into the semis where she'll play Belinda Benchich. How about Belinda Benchich, by the way, who's, I think I saw you say this online. It's not. She's not going to be on that first batch of names we rattle off at the top and hasn't won a Grand Slam. But you know, the last five, six years of her career, she's been arguably as consistently good as just about anyone in that top tier or at least pushing up on it.
2: Yeah, Belinda Bench is just a hell of a talent. I think she's got a 27 and 24 record against the top 10 over the course mm-hmm. of her career, including... Three three and zero against Naomi Osaka, if you don't count that match, and, uh, I think ITF level in 2013. Yeah, like
1: which, 15 years old, maybe.
2: <laughs> there's some funny stories going on around that match as well. But yeah, Belinda Benches is a talent. The Olympic gold medal, I think between that Olympic gold and now, a lot of things have gone south for Belinda, including COVID. She had a tough time recovering. But when her game's working, I mean she's she's very
1: dangerous. She can be a top
2: player. Yes, yeah, she's one of those players. I, She can win a slam. And a lot of them, we can say that about probably 25
1: players right now. Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be something you could say, right? Who can win a slam? There's 20 to 30 going in. But Benchich does get to that second week. And then, you know, who knows what can happen at that point. She's definitely got big wins. She's match tested. uh, Has some big results to her name. Uh, The rest rest of this tournament, I mean, we had a result today I mentioned. Pagulia. Uh, gets by bedosa who had to retire unfortunately in the middle of that match and you know the bigger point of retirements chris i do feel like this is kind of the the benchmark the the stopping off point of the first quarter of the season it's also these miami conditions so you know i i think unfortunately this is a trend i don't have the numbers in front of me but this has tended to happen at this tournament and it's unfortunate because paul bedosa is clearly playing the best tennis of her life she's into the top five ranking uh wasn't able to go and finish today
2: yeah, I think there were a lot. I mean, even before the tournament, Muguruza, Halep was out. It was a bit unfortunate. And yeah, Miami's got that kind of second sister status after the way that Indian Wells has been elevated over the last decade. It's become so special. I guess a lot of factors play into it, right, Mitch? I mean, players. A lot of players are looking forward to Europe and the clay. Maybe they want to take a breather and kind of just just like switch off and, and before they switch back on to what they know is going to be a long slog. But yeah, I mean, you never like to see retirement after five games that I'm always really excited to see Bedosa play, but it's good news for Justin Pagula, second 1000 semifinal. She's a player that's been really on the rise for what, like the last year and a half has played some great tennis. So that's a great news for American fans as well.
1: She's right in the mix of, you know, I know Danielle Collins had the result. She's the best highest ranked American right now. Jesse could be right there with her. There's, you know, we haven't had this discussion since tw- 20 years or whatever, since Serena's kind of and Venus have had the mantle. So it's a good point for them. Uh, before we go to the men's side of the tournament, Chris, you know, we're looking at Iga versus Petra Kvitova, who's had a nice little resurgence here. That's for the last semi-spot to play Pagulia. Are we destined, it looks like, for Iga versus Naomi, or do you think there could be some some upset magic in there? How do you kind of see this playing out?
2: Belinda's going to be tough on Naomi just because of that head-to-head and what we saw in 2019 And Belinda was strong. I don't know exactly what it was about the matchup. She was able to kind of get inside the court and, and really play with Naomi's pace and, and redirect it so well. So I think that's a that's a match that could give us the upset. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the idea of seeing Iga versus Naomi in the final as well. That would be a great way to end this Sunshine Double. And I, I would say if I had to pick it, I would go with that. But again, Belinda, you got to watch out. That head-to-head must mean something from 2019,
1: right? I would think so. Uh, Start of that match, the Naomi match, is huge. She's been playing downhill, getting those early breaks and going. Uh, As somebody mentioned, that the Sunshine Devil might be one of the, if not the hardest things in tennis to pull off, given the heat, the elements, and everything. And Ega's a couple matches away. So that would be an emphatic, yes, I deserve to be the number one player if she wins back-to-back Indian Wells in Miami.
2: Yeah, it sure would. I mean, I mean, we we could really have done this whole podcast on her because it's been really just so thrilling to watch her kind of do the things she do, the things she does, and to also do it with a with a, um, a sports psychologist by her side. How yeah. mature she! Is. And I mean, it's it's really she's she's doing a lot of things differently. It's just it's just been an amazing ride just to see her to come through over these last two seasons. It's going to be a fun decade of Vega
1: Chris Otto here on Tennis Channel Inside In, now uh, switching from the women to the men at the Miami Open. Uh, Could have started in a lot of different ways. There's been ups, there's been downs, highs and lows in this tournament. But after last night, I think we have to talk about Carlos Alcaraz because there's really nothing... I don't think we can put this too hyperbolic in this one. Like, everything that we're witnessing with this kid, Chris, has been uh, remarkable. He's down 5-2 to Sitsipas last night. He goes on an absolute tear wins seven straight games on the trot, wins in straight sets. I can't remember seeing movement like this at a young age, his physical development. Basically, he has all the tools, so we can highlight any individual thing. But this feels like a moment, and this feels like somebody destined for greatness. I hate to use the words can't miss, and I'm not trying to jinx them, but this is as close to can't miss as I think we can have.
2: I can't miss it when he's playing. I'm so excited to watch him play every single match right now, starting back at Indian Wells, where I was on site. Watching that match against Nadal was just so incredible. The juxtap- juxtaposition of those two guys head to head with the swirling winds and the chaos of that match. And of course, he took everything out of Rafa. He didn't get the win, but I mean, look, he's 15 and two this season. And the only losses that he's encountered were a fifth set tiebreaker against Berrettini, which was three months ago, which is, we know, in Carlos Alcaraz's time is a long time ago. He's progressed. Alcarez, so yeah. and in, in terms of like what kind of challenges he can handle, I mean, Cincinnati's want to become the youngest player to ever win a 500 level event at Rio where he beat Berrettini. And then of course his only other loss was the Dow in three sets It doesn't feel like he's going to lose again this week. It feels like if I had to pick, I'm saying he's going to win the title, which sounds ridiculous because he's 18. And I think there are only two other guys who won Masters 1000 titles at 18, one of them being Rafa and the other being Michael Chang. But it really feels like it. And you and I aren't crazy to say it. Jim Currier was saying the other day he's got four more slams to play as a teenager. It's not that crazy to think he could win one. He's just showing all the, uh, all the signs of being great already. And, yeah, last night was amazing, wasn't
1: it? It was. And Tsitsipas was ready for him. I, I, that's the thing. Like, he had beaten him at the U.S. Open, you know, way back when. And I felt like this was the time for the rematch. And Tsitsipas got up for it, gave him his best stuff early. And he still was able – Alcaraz was still able to win. It's almost like that computer getting smarter. Like, he's just programming. And every time he plays someone – you know, he played Rafa a couple years ago on clay. Got beat pretty good made a lot of adjustments, gave him everything he could handle. Uh, it's, it's incredible. And I never, like you said, with the, the teenage slam thing, Nadal's the last guy to win slams in his teens, 20s, and 30s. And I just thought the teen part on the men's side would never happen for a long time. And, 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 and I still think it's odds-on for just about everybody not going to happen. This is the one, one guy that could do it. I, I would agree with you. I think he's the favorite in this tournament, which is crazy to say, given that we still have Medvedev, have a lot of big names left. Sinner and Hergach won it last year, but how could you not make this guy the favorite based on what we're seeing?
2: Something about him, the way he's playing, he's showing these his ability to drop to make drop shots and lobs too. The diversity of his game. He doesn't just have this power and this punch and the movement that you mentioned. There's really, there's no weak spot intellectually. He gets the game. He reads it well. He was able to expose Sitsipas's backhand so well last night and then take it up the line. One mistake he probably made was talking about it too openly after mm-hmm. the match and giving away his tactics. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he might not win this title. I mean, there's a lot of good guys yeah. left in the mix. Of course, Medvedev, is, we'll probably talk about him a little bit about just how well he's done in, in the last few years on hard courts. But, I mean, this guy is just mind blowing talent. Anybody who has not seen Carlos Alcaraz play, just switch on your television, watch his next few matches. You'll be hooked just like we yeah. are.
1: Yeah. Jason Goodall told me once that a couple of years before he started to really make a name for himself, the Spanish tennis federation was like, I don't know if we have anybody, it's going to be dry after Nadal. And then all of a sudden this young teenager came on the scene. They're like, "Whoa, we've got something special and uh, he does get better every day. It seems like he has the right attitude. He's, you know, positive, positive and he, he's just enjoying the experience enjoying the ride but we know there's a lot of tough tennis left ahead and that players will make adjustments to him as best they see fit but you know he's he's checking all the boxes early and that's all we could say um, as far as you know guys that are no longer in this tournament we've reached the end of the uh, Nick Kyrgios experience in Miami and uh, it was an unfortunate ending but maybe some would say predictable uh, Chris that You know, he said he was was saying all the right things, doing all the right things uh, into that center match, and then the wheels came completely undone. Your reaction to kind of just what happened there? I know some people are are critical of the umpire for maybe giving him that first point penalty, but regardless, I think we can all agree that you can't take it that far, even if you were wronged in some way.
2: Yeah, I mean... Nick Kyrgios is good for tennis. Nick Kyrgios is bad for tennis. He's all the above. You can't take your eyes off him. He makes a lot of mistakes out there. He also plays a lot of brilliant tennis, the kind of tennis you don't see very often. Uh, I've been mystified a little bit by just how talented and how well he's been able to play without really playing a whole lot of tennis over the last few weeks. He really pushed Nadal well at Indian Wells. He also flew off the handle in that match and threw the racket and got in trouble and then yelled at a journalist afterwards. I was in the press room for that. Uh, he's just he, so many people have so many different feelings about him. And, and I definitely don't want to be a curious apologist, but I love watching him play. And, uh, you know, tennis fans that really appreciate tennis and the ability to have special talents in the game. He's got something that nobody else has. That said, he's still even though I believe he's trying and I believe he's evolved quite a bit as a person. He makes a lot of big mistakes. He does a lot of things he shouldn't do. He's not the role model he claims he wants to be. There's a quote by Naomi Osaka from press a couple of days ago that I think sums it up very well. Do you you mind if I read it? Go right ahead. (laughs) She, She said, I always felt like his behavior was kind of like, and then she says, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I hope he doesn't read this and take it this way. She said, he's like someone that can't really handle the pressure too well. So they're kind of overwhelmed. She says she can relate to that but she channels it in a different way. I think it's I think it's spot on. And I think Nick does get a little bit overwhelmed by this. Let's yeah. face it, that match was a big match. We were all excited for it. He knows everybody's watching him. He knows it's box office. He wants to put on a show. He doesn't sort of know how to govern himself in these yeah. situations. And I think his heart's in the right place, His but his head isn't. And he can still get better. Mm-hmm. And I hope he does. And I'm always going to root for him to do that.
1: First thing I want to say props to center for basically putting on a clinic for how to handle when the other guy or other girl across the net from you is having a meltdown, just eyes yeah. locked down. Don't even let it bother you. Uh, really just don't engage. That was great by center. Um, you said a lot there, and I pretty much agree with all of it. I think he cares, obviously, which is good. Regardless of even what he says, sometimes he says it's not you know, the biggest thing, but it's good to care. It's good that he, you know, is – is coming out and showing what a natural talent he is for, as you said, being so good without having any reps at all and being in tennis shape. It's remarkable. That said, again, agreed, when the pressure's on, when that moment comes, when the stakes get higher, that's when these issues have happened. It's, it's a formula at this point. Nadal match, serving for the first set, gets broke, goes ballistic, point penalty to end the first tie break. This center match, first set was great, goes to the tie break, down a mini break and uh, you know has his issue there I think that mentally he's I I would almost say I don't want to say getting better but I definitely think that you know for the most part if he's playing well it's almost like being a little bit of a front runner he's able to channel his emotions and keep the ship going but this is a this is an issue he struggled with his whole career so forgive me for being a little pessimistic that it's going to change now but when there is pressure on him he hasn't handled it well and He's going to get docked big in Miami. That's going to be more money out of his paycheck, um, which we can get into in a second, that whole thing. But I, I just, I don't know what the end game for Kyrgios is other than, and it's great, he's one of the most exciting people in all of tennis. His matches are box office. He's going to bring in eyeballs, Chris, but I don't know that I can count on him to win any big results because you have to be consistent. And, you know, to to do this, it doesn't matter who you're playing. To win six, seven matches in a row, I don't know that I'll ever trust him to do that.
2: Yeah. I agree. It's, at this point, it's hard to say. I think he's going to take the clay season off and come back on the grass. That's his best shot to do. What you're saying he, you don't think he's going to do and I agree with you. He's tough. It's tough for him when the stakes are higher. Remember from way back, you know, Andy Murray matches at Wimbledon where he kind of flubbed those matches a little bit. He always builds up the drama. You always get a little too excited maybe. He's so talented and I'm glad that he's in the sport still. I thought mm-hmm. a year or two ago, I thought he might be gone. So I'm happy. Yeah. I know people lot of issues with him and I think that's fine but let's give him a little bit of room to make his mistakes let's call him out when he makes them yeah let's he continues to evolve and continues to play great tennis because there isn't anybody like him whether he's winning those big matches we talk about or not and he's still a a really fun player to watch in my opinion I mean he doesn't even practice that serve (laughs) it's it's such a groove that serve
1: Great as a great as an underdog can beat anybody, but when the pressure's on him, maybe not so much as a favorite. And yeah, I, I think the the attitude I have is I'm not going to be you know outraged at his behavior or his lack of results. That's that's not the right place to be. in, I don't think. But forgive me for not picking him to win tournaments and go on these runs based on what we've seen. Uh, the last thing with Curios in the bigger picture, I mean, it's another ATP player and an umpire. Now there's been varying degrees. You don't want to just put a blanket and compare all of them equally, but I. I'm a little, you know, concerned would be the word that there hasn't been a hammer drop down. There hasn't been any serious discipline drop down for the Brooksby racket throws. Varev, obviously, uh, Shapovalov at the Australian Open. I, I don't like the direction this is going. And I think the ATP will eventually have to step in and say, hey, guys, enough is enough. Going forward, this cannot be tolerated.
2: They have to. They've set a really soft precedent. And I think it feeds itself and guys know what they can get away with. And guys can vent and treat these umpires horribly. And you can feel it on social media. You can feel it, you can feel it in the media. You can feel it from, from pundits who, who, who are people, the Jim Curriers of the world, the tennis channel analysts, who, who we really respect. Everybody's a little bit fed up right now. And I think, yeah, the ATP just needs to kind of get it together, get a few people on the job, have a meeting, discuss the lines that are that you're going to draw what's correct what isn't correct what what kind of trouble people are going to get in for doing the right and wrong things and make it clear to these players what they can expect because it's going to have to be a change and the players will need to know about it before it happens and then they can expect to be punished and and it's really not that complicated right mitch
1: yeah it shouldn't be and again it's uh hey what's done is done we messed up going forward these are the rules and then everyone knows it and they can't go after the fact and be like, well, you gave this person so-and-so. so." Yeah, That's where I'm at there. Uh, still more tennis left uh, in this tournament, though, and one name I did want to get your opinion on was Daniil Medvedev, who has a match with the defending champion coming up, Hubie Herkaz, of this event. And if he wins that, he's back to number one. Now, I don't want to minimize the number one ranking or you know the accomplishment that Medvedev's already clinched in his career. But I think this is more than just getting that ranking back. It was about getting back to playing good tennis, being consistent after the loss to Monfils at Indian Wells. And I think he's kind of gotten back to playing the game that got him all the accolades that he has. He was looked very consistent. He's battling back. He's even coming to net a little bit more, which I like. Mevidev has actually improved a lot and gotten some of that momentum back that he had lost.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, it's tricky for Medvedev because he's a great indoor player. He's a great hardcore player, especially on the faster surfaces. We know the damage he can do in New York, but Indian Wells has been tricky for him. Miami until now maybe has been tricky for him. We all know how tricky the clay and the grass is, and that's looming. So for him, he needs to continue to evolve his game. He's not a perfect number one, and I think he's got I – mean, we know he's gotten a lot of help from Novak Djokovic and what's been going on with him, and credit to him for, for capitalizing. And I think he's a deserving number one he's the best of all the non big three players and he's proven it time and time again and he's got a lot of lot of more upside like he can do better on the other surfaces and I think he will, and I really like his game and I really like his approach to tennis and I think, I think you you probably hit the nail on the head I think he's kind of rounding into form here figuring out a way to play on these slow hard courts in Miami. And I think he's definitely a threat to win the title. And that's good to see. I mean, nice to see him get that top ranking back because three weeks is not nearly enough. Yeah. He'll, he'll regret that for the rest of his life, right?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. He can't show up into a clay court season that he's obviously has disdain for with, you know, flailing, so to speak. You know, it'd be one thing if he could win some matches, which he's done, but you know, a couple of early exits and then get into the clay, that could not be good is mental more than anything so it, it is good and I do think that I agree I mean he's been the most consistent of that non-big three he's got some good results over those guys Rafa notwithstanding but uh, this is good for him and you know if it is Zverev Alcaraz whoever would have to play him Hercosh in this next match which is no way up these should, should be some good tennis going forward Yannick Sinner who we had mentioned earlier as well so uh, Medvedev is going to be well tested going forward and if he wins Miami if he if he goes into the clay court season and the grass court season with some momentum. Who's to say he can't have the best clay court season of his life. Cause it hasn't been that good beforehand.
2: No. Yeah, for sure. And, and how big Mitch would a Medvedev Alcaraz semifinal hmm. be? I think Sitsipas looked at yesterday's showdown with Alcaraz as if it was very important. You could see it the way he started the match. You could see it the way he played. These guys you are talking about like sending messages and right now, all the messages are being sent by Carlos Alcaraz and and, and if, if Medvedev, I think, would love to keep the kid at bay for at least a couple of
1: weeks, right? Yeah, just a little bit longer, just a little longer.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Uh, Chris Otto here on Tennis Channel Insight and a few more things with him. Uh, One of the guys who has played better, kind of in a weird way, floating under the radar now is Alexander Zverev. and. I look at this miami tournament as an opportunity for him like a lot of guys but for him to get that big result he's made the final here before and is kind of getting i don't want to say pushed aside but there's that real next gen next conversation whatever you want to call it of who's going to step up and this is an opportunity for him to just remind everyone what he's capable of at the thousand level events and then going forward into the grand slam season yeah
2: sets up pretty well for him as well you think he's I don't think he's dropped a set to Casper Root. He's obviously a lot better of a h- hardcore player, though Root has improved drastically on the surface. Yeah, it would be important for him, I think, to send, a, to send a message. We've seen him do well at Masters 1000 before. It's, I guess, really just the thing that's always plagued, Zverev, aside from the personal problems, is his performance against the top 10 at the slams. The, you know, I, And I guess doing well in these Masters 1000s will continue to set the table for him to kind of make that next step. I feel like he's in a position to do it, to maybe compete with Medvedev up at the top of the rankings for a little while here. Um, But he hasn't really taken the steps necessary. Granted, there's been a lot of weird stuff Mm -hmm. happening with him off the court as well.
1: And you know, that's obviously played a part in it. So we'll monitor how Zverev plays in this tournament, big opportunity there. Uh, And then the last thing I wanted to touch on from, from this week, Taylor Fritz loses, but you know, has the run of the best tennis of his career, I think we'd all agree on. He wins Indian Wells. He, he gets, a couple match wins under his belt at Miami. What do you think, having been at Indian Wells and seen him up close a little bit, Chris, what's kind of clicked with him? What's changed in his development? And why was he able to put it all together and get that thousand-level title?
2: It's been awesome watching him make this rise. Semifinals at Indian Wells last year was a magical run. And for him to have the belief and the, the sort of poise under pressure to come back and win that title it shows that he's got a lot more self-belief though. When he talks to you, he won't lead on that way. He's doing really well in the pressure points, just, you know, big service games, tiebreakers. He's coming through a lot of those with, and, and the confidence has just added up. It's not always a guarantee that a big result is gonna make you a more confident tennis player for years and years to come. But it seems like everything that Taylor Fritz has done in the past is helping now in the present in terms of self-belief. It's got such a huge serve. And he's really figured out how to make that forehand just stand out. He's made it into an incredible weapon. He's a dangerous player that nobody wants to face on a hard court. And he's courageous enough to play in a final with Nadal on a gimp ankle, which was just remarkable in and of itself. Yeah. And then the fact in that match, of course, we know Rafa was in bad shape himself, but that was quite remarkable. And um, yeah, it's been a fantastic rise. And he's leading a core of American men that are on the rise. Eight of them in the top 124 are younger and it's great that he's stepping out front and leading him, and I think a lot of these guys are going to follow that example and start to have more confidence moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I know working, and I know I'm a little biased, obviously, but working with Paul Annacone, who's worked with Sanfras and Federer, knows a little bit about those pressure moments and and you know what to do and what to what he's seen just from life experience has been huge. Uh, in addition, I thought last year when he really showed the tennis world something was fighting back to play Wimbledon. And getting that first round win. Because we know that he didn't have to do that. Obviously, money-wise, not an issue. And ranking even not really an issue. But that showed me like, okay, this guy clearly loves what he's doing. He's committed to what he's doing. And like you said, it's a process. Even before leading up to an event, all the, all the hard work that goes into getting to the point to have a breakthrough. But also afterwards. He's very committed to his craft. Regardless of what's around him, the condition of his own body. He's very committed to becoming a better tennis player, day in day out.
2: Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of fortitude there. He's he's got that warrior spirit. You know, he's he's kind of this laid back California dude, mm-hmm. really casual yeah. when you talk to him. But he's a heck of a fighter, and I think that's another important thing when you talk about setting an example for the other Americans. You look at a guy who came back from surgery. What, what was it, six weeks or two months? <laughs> awesome. And then this thing with the ankle. He's just showing how yeah. tough he is, how badly he wants to win. And as American fans, we'd love to see
1: that. We do, and I do think a rising tide lifts all boats. You're seeing it with the American men, the depth of the game, a lot of them in the top 50 now. Uh, Going forward, I mean, you know, Paul and TFO are making their runs. I still think Corda and now Jensen Brooksby seem to be that higher ceiling type level. Fritz is clear, and Opelka, I don't want to leave him out, of course, but Fritz is the guy right now, but there will be some challengers to that American throne, I think.
2: I think they all could challenge for it. Which is great. I mean, I love Jensen Brooksby. He's just doing something that no, no other American player is doing. Maybe no other player on tour. It's, he's sort of like Medvedev in a way, just very unorthodox. And then semi-court is taking his time this year, it feels like. But but you know you know he's going to be there. And I'm such a big fan of Francis, his enthusiasm for the sport. I think he's going to have his moments. Riley, with, with Big John Isner as his mentor, he's going to be around for a long time. He's only going to get better. I mean, American tennis, to me, said this a lot in the last three months it's in a better place than I've seen it for the men in in a decade or so, for sure.
1: I would agree with that. It's a good time to be uh, an American tennis fan, the depth of the men's game, especially Uh, Chris, before we wrap this up, I mean, are we looking at Alcaraz, Medvedev, Semi, potentially, and then, you know, is it, is it time for Carlos's first thousand level title? Are we already at that point?
2: I'm just crossing my (laughs) fingers for Medvedev, Alcaraz, and I want to see how Daniel will deal with this, this young dynamite prospect and, that's that to me is a toss up, but I'll go Carlos. There's just so much positive momentum. You know, the title in Rio was huge. The match against Rafa, it just feels like he's ready to make a huge splash. So I think you could be right.
1: Yeah. I I'm, I'm going that way. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked obviously if Medvedev or even Zverev, you know, anybody left really wins this title, but the way Carlos is playing, it just, he's a runaway freight train out there. And, and, he's very feared. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, Chris Otto, this was a blast. I want to ask you last thing, uh, because I know you're dabble in that. Who do you have winning the Stanley cup this year?
2: Oh man. I've been really having struggles with hockey this year because of the Islanders. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just fell off. I really would say I'm going to pull for the Minnesota wild. Okay. I like the style that they have. How about you?
1: Boy, the best thing about, about hockey, the team, as far as team sports go, I think is how unpredictable and how intense the playoffs are. Um, I think we could, and I want to see what goaltending looks like, but it feels like it could be Colorado's time.
2: Oh, yeah. We've been waiting for that yeah. for a while, too. Another one I'd be very happy to see. They, um, and I know Wilder my pick. I just yeah. pulling for them. I oh, yeah.
1: Just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think there'll be some opportunities there. And you know that, you know, if you're – Unfortunately, I mean, your Islanders have had runs in the last couple of years, but every game night and day, like I would imagine, you know, game seven of that lightning series last year had to just be nerve wracking for an Islanders fan.
2: Oh, as long as Tampa doesn't win it this year, I'm going to be happy, by
1: the way. <laughs> a 3 I thought you'd say Rangers, you know, don't can't have them winning if you're an Islanders fan. Tony for mention it. <laughs> Chris Otto, thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In and uh, good luck going forward with covering the sport, going to live tennis, the Lucky Lead Court podcast. We'll make sure everybody out there listens to that. But thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In.
2: Thanks, Mitch. This was awesome. I appreciate it.
1: That was Chris Otto on Tennis Channel Inside In. The entire podcast is on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for this and other podcasts such as the Lucky Lead Court and the tennis.com podcast with Kamal Murray. We'll be back next week to recap the Miami Open and get everybody ready for the start of clay court season should be a good one my name is mitch michaels this was tennis channel inside in thank you for listening and we'll see you next week